0: the world to your ears. Welcome to Yakin' with Yesian, a podcast about music and its business.
1: Featuring your host, Dan Yesian. So here I am with Walter White. Breaking Bad, Heisenberg, I don't know. But it's not Walter White, that person. It's Walter White, the virtuoso trumpeteer. And when I say trumpeteer, it's not just the trumpet, but it's anything that's brass anything that he can hold and manipulate to make sounds that are beyond, beyond. I'm talking about people like Doc Severinsen, people like Maynard Ferguson, people like Quinton Marcellus. He did not play with Doc, but he did play with Maynard and with Quinton. But I want you to take us back to how you started. Uh, Here you are this young kid, and how old
0: were you, Walter, when you started this? So so young, I don't even hardly remember when it happened, but uh, I, I had older brothers and sisters that were all in the Ferndale music program in Ferndale, suburb of Detroit. And uh, so I was like the band mascot, because I was 10 years younger than my, my sister at the time. So both of my brothers played tuba, and my father had played tuba in high school before he went out to over, overseas in the war. Then uh, and my sister played flute and bass clarinet and all that, so I, I actually had a chance to try out all the instruments. I used to have dreams when I was a kid that I, I would wake up and I was I was in this room filled with all these, every instrument known to man, and I had nothing but time to, to play to my heart's content, everything. It must have been because I was like the band mascot and everybody would let me try their instruments, right? And mm-hmm. So I actually started on sousaphone because Max Wood the band director uh, in the Ferndale School District thought, I, you know, since my brothers and dad all played tuba, I should start on tuba. So I did play it for a few weeks, but um, our hub, our house in Oak Park, which was part of the Ferndale School District, was like a hub for all the, the musicians, so they'd all come over and congregate at the house after school, and I just remember one of the guys whipping out this shiny silver trumpet and playing a Herb Alpert tune, and I was just like, mm. <laughs> and that was it for the sousaphone for me. Right. And I, I I started taking cornet lessons with Max Wood's daughter, and they were they were uh, a strong Salvation Army family, and he was the, the the bandmaster at the Citadel in Royal Oak, which is one of the biggest in the country. And so they come from a, a huge tradition of brass band playing from uh, you know from the United Kingdom, from the UK, all over America. So their, their fundamentals of brass playing are, are very, very strong. So I was lucky enough to, to kind of fall into that as my, my nurturing ground uh, for development as a brass player. And I think by starting on sousaphone with that big aperture and the amount of air that you have to use when I finally went to trumpet, I was approaching it with that same approach, which gave me the velocity, I think, in the airstream to you know to, to you play said, the trumpet. You said aperture. What is aperture? It's just like in a camera, you know, the aperture is the hole that opens up smaller or wider to let more light. And in the case of an embouchure, the aperture lets, lets in or out more or less air. Mm. And so when you're playing a larger instrument, you have to have a, a wider aperture. How old were you when you actually started? Well, back then they were starting, uh, the music programs in schools were starting kids in third grade. Now it's, it's much later, if, if at all, and we're trying to work on that as a, a nation to, to get that back into the school at, an, at a young age. But even before that, you know, my brother was in the Boy Scouts and he had a bugle. And so I started playing bugle when they would go up to Interlaken for um, band camp. Right before the marching season, the football season would start at Ferndale High School or Royal Oak Dondero, wherever they'd go up to Interlochen for a week to practice marching and practice that. So <clears throat> I would walk around tooting on this bugle. I was probably four or five when I I got that bugle. My goodness! And so it was wow. when I was eight is when I started playing the sousaphone and and quickly switched to cornet. So I started f- for real on cornet probably when I was like eight or nine in third grade. Wow. But I was already had the amateur. There There's another picture I found in my mom's collection of me in a, a cowboy outfit, with, complete with cap guns and a fringe coat. And there I am. I had the bugle in my hand and. and and you could put it right next to a picture of me playing today, and it's the the angle of the trumpet, and you know, I'm sure it's almost identical. So so cool. I was really fortunate to grow up in you know in that environment with yeah. so many brass things going on, and plus they, they had community bands back then, and there was just a lot of just great music, musicals that were always happening, and just really. High level of musicianship. You know, one of the violinists from Ferndale High School ended up playing in the Philadelphia Orchestra. That's that's the level that they used to have happening there. Which I think they've they've gotten back to it at at, at some point. Roger Smith. But would you say that? Would you say,
1: would you say that things were? Uh, I don't want to use the word serious, but I am going to <laughs> about music and uh, early education uh would would you say that there's a comparison here with what that was and what this is currently do you know anything of that can you can you talk to that at all or no is it is well w- sure was it? I mean, you practice. You practice like crazy, I'm sure. The way that you play.
0: Yeah, but no one ever had to tell me to or force me to. It was just part of the culture and part of, you know, I just, I really loved it. It was like my favorite toy, like Maynard always said. And, and no one had to... Maynard have, Ferguson. Maynard Ferguson, who I'm talking about, right. it was his favorite toy. So no one ever had to force me to practice. It was just like the funnest thing I had to do, other than baseball. You know, I was like, I'd play baseball until it got so dark that you'd get hit in the head because you couldn't see where it was to catch right. it, you know, and then I'd go home and I'd play trumpet. So to me, it was just, I didn't think anything of it. It was just a fun thing to do. Um, and it was great because it was integrated in, in to, into the homes a lot more, I, I think, back then. There was there was less distractions, there was not the internet, there wasn't uh, the computer, and, it, and and it was, there was a piano in every house, you know, and, and almost like that kind of a thing. There were, People still listen to records, and, and right. there's just so much uh, information out there right now that it's hard, to, it, you get overwhelmed by stuff that, that um, but at least I think they're starting to, to discover with the, the whole STEM thing, Uh, science, technology, uh, mathematics, engineering, that they're starting to add an A in there and make it the STEAM thing, then realizing that arts are just as important, if not more important in the development of of, um, those abilities You know, like my son Jasper, he's studying engineering now and shooting off rockets at NASA. Jasper is watching us. He's here with us now. Yes. But he he grew up playing baritone, Mm. playing piano, and listening to records, and then switched to cello. And now he plays great bass. Mm -hmm. But I think that it also helped uh, to. You know, they've do, they've done studies that, that st- um children that study music are much better in, in mathematics and and all the other subjects. You know, right. That's, there's a direct correlation between music, studying music, and and excelling in the other other. Right.
1: We've ones. known e- we've <laughs> known each other. We've known each other now for uh, some thirty years. Whatever, uh, it's been a long time, and it's always such a wonderful experience for you to come into our studios to play on any of our projects, uh, from
0: United Airlines. What are some of the other things? The latest thing was I, I th- sent you some links. I think we did a Banana Republic. We did a Highlander commercial. Right. I just r- wrote some demos for Corona and Cricket Wireless that. I don't know what happened to, but yeah, we've done just a ton of stuff. We did Disney, yeah. um, And I remember when I left here, it was just the beginning of the technology, uh, technology's ability to uh, handle the bandwidth to send stuff back and forth. Because when I I moved away in 2000 to go to Ithaca, New York. I was worried that I wasn't going to I was going to lose my ability to work with you guys but that's when we started sending stuff back and forth and so I, I did a bunch of we did Disney the construction thing um, numerous projects uh, when I was living in Ithaca and all of a sudden you were able to record and send large audio files over the internet
1: right and right. so
0: that really saved me and we con- continued to work together for those 10 years or so that I I lived in Ithaca or 11 years and I'd, ca- I'd occasionally come back. And now, even though I only live an hour and ten minutes from here, or an hour and five minutes, um, I still do a lot of the stuff right at home in my studio there. Oh, right, but during all this time, you've
1: been—you well—you've been playing with some name orchestras, uh, Maynard Ferguson and Wynton Marcellus. You played with the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about? Any of that about uh, well? How about how, how much time how, do you? Have? How, well, Maynard. Maynard was one of you say. Is it Maynard or Maynard? You say Maynard.
0: Maynard is the correct is pronunciation. Pronunciation, okay. but everybody I would always say Maynard, and he he didn't care either way. But Maynard is it's like his his that was actually his middle name. Um, I've told this story before, but like when he first called me for the gig, I was like hanging out in Toronto a lot, and. Uh, uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and this was 1988, and I was playing with Rick Margitza a lot back then, and we had a quintet in Detroit. Rick's dad played in the Detroit Symphony Violin, right. and Rick oh, Margitza course. went on to play with Miles Davis, and we right. played at Baker's a lot. Yeah. We won this national jazz search that Hennessy was sponsoring, and played a lot at Baker's Keyboard Lounge. Uh, anyway, then Rick joined Maynard's band and with Tim Reese, and right. they were the two saxophone players. I moved back to New York in 88, to New York City, and they were doing Maynard's 60th birthday party at the Blue Note. Oh, and wow. I, I ended up going down to sit in. Uh, Ed Sargent, the road manager, asked me to sit in. And I would known Maynard from high school because his daughter Wilder was in my graduating class from the Interlochen Arts Academy. She was a dancer. Oh. And so we'd kind of known each other a little bit. And um, so I'm up in Toronto, and after we sat in, Chuck Mangione played Lou Soloff. I played, you know, Randy Breckerson and a couple other people. And then I went back to Toronto and the phone rang and it's like, ah, I said hello. And on the other end I hear, ah, 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 who's this? <laughs> he had forgotten who he had called. Oh my goodness. You know, because he was spacey, man, you know, like main artist. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> too much, too many days with Timothy Leary oh in, the, in the in the sixties, right? And so it's not funny, but it kinda is. it, is, it was totally <laughs> funny. So he said, ah, and I said, so it's, it's Walter, Walter White. He said, oh yeah, Walter. <laughs> it must be some Freudian thing, man, because, you know, that's actually my name, too. <laughs> Maynard was his middle name.
1: Walter oh. Maynard
0: Ferguson. Oh. And I didn't know that, and, and so we got there out to. Know. He said, yeah, I want you to join my band, and can you come out to California in a couple weeks, and we're going to rehearse. So as soon as I got there, the first thing he did is pull out his wallet and said, see, uh, Walter Maynard Ferguson. So wow. we played that duet, the fox hunt, and it became the band guys called it the two Walters. That was like the inside joke. Right. Anyway, that's uh, playing with Maynard was great, and and, and uh, that's how I met him. And I, I was on the band for a while, long enough to do a recording in London, that my mom and dad were were at, which was great. It was the first time my dad had been back to England since since the war. So they went over there, and and Maynard was the same age as my mom. He would be, I think, ninety. One this year, something like that. Wow. 19- wow. Well, yeah, nineteen twenty-seven. We hear you
1: playing right next to Maynard. It's almost like a contest. It's who can reach the highest notes and who has more the uh, technical savvy to be able to pull off yeah. a competition
0: yeah.
1: uh, and be meaningful. Yeah. My my question to you is, wouldn't that be called upstaging? Where you're right next to him and he's going to be threatened by what you're able to do and what he's able to do. Yeah. Yes. No.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and that's why Maynard was so special because he he was not threatened at all. The better you played, the more excited and happy he was. And and he was so confident in in his own persona and his his ability. He he was just trying to generate as much positive enthusiasm to generate toward the audience. And if it came through a little friendly competition. That would be great there's not many other band leaders that that would have that because a lot of times um some of his players were right underneath him there and could occasionally Overth- overthrow, overthrow his you know his, but you know he 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 didn't even think about that it was just to him it was fun but yeah saxophone battles trumpet battles um when i played with linton it was like he, he was always trying to get people to battle each other and it was more of like a a cutting thing and and that well, happened in the that jazz get kind clubs of divisive yeah and bit? but are like he thrived on that And, you know the, the better you played the 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 more he joy it would bring him, mm-hmm. you know. he's was almost like you know his his children in the band and it's like you know he, seeing you do. So well, he's giving. Yeah, he was you know, a thousand percent giving. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was wonderful, and and it inspired you to play more. And then you think, oh, you know, yeah, I got him that time. Mm-hmm. Then the next time you go up, he, he'll just smoke you, you know, and like right. play stuff that <laughs> yeah, you know, All only right. the gods can play. You're listening to Yakin with Yesian. Visit danyesian.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive all the latest content, including vlogs, podcasts,
1: and all things related to Dan's feature work and Armenian trilogy. Now back to the conversation. In this age... I'm going to turn the subject a little bit. Please, in this, in this age it. of uh, electronic music or samples or synthesized music... Uh, how difficult might it be for someone like you to actually make a living doing what they do? You're playing an acoustic instrument, these trumpets and various sundry other brass. Uh, is, has this curtailed you in what you're able to do in making a living or uh, For, of course you're a yeah. virtuoso so I would from my mind I would think well this guy's got to be on demand
0: right I mean, you, you must be it's an interesting story that because I was talking with Lou Soloff about this who passed away a couple years ago unfortunately he was one of my great friends and legendary studio trumpet player mm-hmm. from Blood, Sweat and Tears right. the spinning wheel solo the whole thing um, yeah but it, right around it was right when I got to New York in 1981 to go to Juilliard that there was still like a really really strong studio scene and it was before cell phones and and guys were still doing um, three or four record dates a day and they'd just go from studio to studio and at break time they'd all line up at the payphone and call radio registry to see where they were supposed to go next. Wow! And that's and I kind of caught the tail end of that and that's when Bob James had me play on the Taxi TV show when I first got to. Did New York. you do that? Yeah. Ba, ba,
1: ba, ba, do, da, do, da. Can you play a little bit of that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> then George That Margie. was you? Ba, da, da, de, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. I did I didn't one know season. That. It was either me or Randy Bracker. He did one of the seasons. But yeah, I met Bob at Interlock and and then he had me come in and I met Eddie Daniels, George Marr, Jogi Horton, uh, Steve Kahn, wow. and I got there late because I'd only been in New York for a couple weeks, and it was on the east side at CBS, and I didn't know where. I walked around the building three times before I realized that I was there. Wow. And I walked in the, the live room during a take, Right. And, and they all stopped, and Steve Kahn said, your first session in New York, and you're effing late. And they all cracked up <laughs> because they knew that Bob told them, told them the story about, I just met this kid in Interlock and he's going to do there. And okay. so, okay. But anyway, so long story short is that uh, the guys like Faddis and Ron Tooley and Marvin Stamm and Joe Shepley, Burt Collins, uh, Randy Brecker, um, all the great studio musicians in New York, th- they played so precisely that when synthesized brass and stuff came out, It was almost like you couldn't tell the difference and so it was they 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 were such precise players that that it was almost hard like when the first synth brass stuff came out it you know it it was tough to differentiate sometimes because those guys were so accurate and so nails with their parts right so not to say that they put themselves out of business but it made it harder for people to discern the difference between real and live so for many years The the live players suffered, and there weren't as many sessions anymore. But then gradually, the the trend has been going back to to using real real brass and real instruments. Even though the samples have gotten even better over the years, there's still nothing like um, um, a room full of people moving air.
1: Yeah.
0: There's nothing like that. And know? that
1: chemistry that you feel and can play off of each other while you're playing is yeah, it's a remarkable
0: thing. Yeah, right? and I think I, you know, and I think there's room for samples and but the chemistry is, sure is 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 there, you know, for mock-ups and everything. It's great for time savers like you were talking with Kurt on the one of those videos about. It's like, yeah, it, to get all these people in here at one point to just try to sell the 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 music to somebody, right. it's much more expedient to work with samples and have somebody lay in the top violin or the top clarinet or the top flute or, right. or or top trumpet and then and then when you can use as many real instruments as possible but,
1: but for our and for our company you've done so many uh, ads for us, uh, which include uh, United Airlines and the Banana Republic thing that you talked about, all the car companies. That trumpet, when you hear that brass sound, and it's not just trumpet that you play. We know uh, it's just all the other brass instruments. It just brings so much to life. And speaking of that, can we talk about technique, uh, your instruments, And uh, how you handle each one. You know, as I think about it, I play saxophone and there are a lot of buttons on this instrument. (laughs) But there's only three on your trumpet. If you bring out your trumpet, can you you explain this for a second? I mean, a lot of people are mystified, to be frank with you, as to how you're able to generate all these tones...
0: It's fairly easy to explain. It's, there's only seven different combinations of valves. and Originally, trumpet was just a bugle, and they didn't have keys until um, later on in the Baroque period, but when they were after the Baroque period. But they were using natural trumpets back then, and they were changing all the pitches just with their lips. And then sometimes they would have horns, natural trumpets, with little holes in them that they could kind of bend the pitches a little bit.
1: But But the Baroque period you're talking about the eighteen hundreds
0: or earlier?
1: Yeah. Where are we here?
0: Yeah, I'm. you know, I'm not like the music historian I should be, and and so people watching this are probably going <laughs> to say, Oh, man, he does, uh, uh, he's
1: wrong, but, he's, you know, he's wrong, wrong. No, yeah, go yeah, ahead, bro, be go so, ahead, yeah, yeah, but, that out. <laughs> yeah
0: with, uh, with the advent of the valves, though, it became a chromatic instrument for real. But originally, you know, it was a bugle, and bugles have been around for for centuries, and, and basically it's ten feet of tubing. I could go to the the Walmart or Home Depot or whatever, get a piece of 10-foot tubing that my mouthpiece would fit in, and I could play the same overtone series on that as I can on this. And and, and if you do it without valves, and it's just the bugle, it's... So, what 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 are you doing to affect those changes in pitch? Is it your- You're raising your tongue and you're you're blowing the air a little bit faster. So the combination of blowing the air faster and raising the tongue inside your mouth creates more velocity. So and then the aperture that we were talking about earlier right, that, that opens and closes and 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 allows it. So basically it's just So the inside of my mouth is is changing the way the air is compressed, so it's like an air compressor. How do you then bend, bend notes? Well, well, before we get to that, then I was going to show you, if I press down the second valve... Ah. goes down chromatically like that. And so those are the seven valve positions, but it basically turns a B flat blue bugle into an A bugle, A flat I'm
1: sorry, but that that would confuse me as a sax player or a clarinet player. Right. You've got this the these chromatic and these holes that you cover up and these keys that you press it, er, and you go right. all the way down. And you're playing this is it would seem so arbitrary.
0: Yeah, it uh, does it, at first it does. But yeah, I mean, so <laughs> Then you just learn patterns and learn scales and learn how to uh, get through it chromatically. But that's that's the deal with the trumpet. But then then you get into pitch bending and all that different other stuff. There's well, how do you pitch bend? There's half valve techniques. If you know these are all pistons, and inside you know they have uh, there's there's holes that open and close. Right. Um, that that send the that they air down different tubes, right? right? And if you only open them halfway, they're only half open, right? Ah. And so that allows you to get these, <laughs> then you can get those kind of, right. Basically, you so, know, by putting the bells halfway down. You want to try? No. No. <laughs> yeah. But and on clarinet, I mean, you probably, uh, to do those glissandos. I mean, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, use your armature to, to bend a loop. And, and the same thing with and, trumpet.
0: Uh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And so... And you could
1: almost be uh, uh, replicating the sound of a theremin.
0: A theremin, yes, whatever you want. And and it's a beautiful vocal quality. And, and I know I keep going back to Maynard, but, he, you know, he loved to use that uh, technique because he loved Italian opera. And so he always wanted to sound like a singer. And so, uh, so it's got a very vocal quality. Right. Yeah. In right. fact, he, he, he would do some things sometimes. He'd be up there doing... Like you kind of like the, a theremin. It. <laughs> like. <laughs> it was just kind of like a show thing, you know. But it was oh it, it was pretty effective. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so trumpet, and then we've got the flugel horn. And what is the difference between a flugel and a, and a trumpet?
0: Well, it's the same length.
1: <clears throat> and this is the horn that you used on Taxi.
0: No, I have like three flugels, and this is my latest one. I'm a Yamaha guy, and and so they just sent me these two new horns because I I go through them, you know. I I, I play a million notes, and they're not like violins that, that, that get better with age, although some horns do, but at a certain point, it's just plumbing, you know? Right. And then, <laughs> and, and then they, they get holes in them and everything. Trumpet is cylindrical bore. If, if, if you're talking about bores, the trumpet is the same. The inside of this bore is the same diameter all the way until here, and then it starts flaring out. With the, the flugelhorn, it starts out one size, and then gradually, Throughout the slides and everything, it's a cylinder. It's a cylindrical bore. It's not a cylinder. It's a conical bore. So, meaning that over the the course of the instrument, it gradually tapers out. Whereas this, it's cylindrical bore, meaning that it's the same same bore size up until the bell starts flaring out. But this is uh, and the same thing with cornet. Cornet is also. But this has a
1: softer bore. sound. Yeah, obviously, it's uh, it's uh, more rounder tone. <laughs> As opposed to.
0: Both right, nice so sounds. A brightness and the little dollar. Right. But, uh, but then that's where you come in to the whole mute thing, and this is a bucket mute, which sometimes. A bucket mute. S- bucket mute, which was used in the. <laughs> Not that the trumpets ever got. That was your clarinet part, but <laughs> you get the idea. But I love that song. Yeah, and so, then then we have and the then the, the, harmon- the harmon mute,
1: which is which is which is a uh, uh, the favorite use of uh, jazz players. Miles popularized Miles Davis it young, was yeah. all about that, right?
0: Yeah, totally. He was here. Uh, vibrato, Yeah. Mm. which so is cool. a beautiful sound. So cool. And yeah. then the cup mute is also used quite a bit. I might have even used some of this in the Armenian Trilogy. I know I used the straight mute a lot. And by the way, yes, I needed to say that uh, Walter
1: had played on the Armenian Trilogy you were doing the double and triple tonguing, but I, I digress now a little bit let's let's go back to this i'm oh, sorry okay no crushed. problem but
0: yeah this is the cup mute yeah and you know it sounds used a lot in big band yeah. stuff yeah. some soloistic and this is more of what a, is this the straight mute, which has a lot more bite to it. Mm-hmm. And now oftentimes I will see uh, a plunger. Right, and this is, I have a plunger with
1: me too. And not to be confused with a toilet plunger, or yes. are we
0: there? No, this is a toilet plunger, but this has never been used <laughs> in a toilet as far well, as I know. That's good. The plunger became popular in jazz a long time ago, and I still, Whoop. I still use it often. <laughs> One of my things on the road when I'm in different countries is I go to look for different plungers. like I found a really cool blue one in Japan once that was really soft. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened to it. I lost it. But the trumpet bell is five inches, so you you can't get the giant ones. The trombone players have to look for the bigger ones. But yeah, uh, a lot of times you use plunger with a pixie mute to get Mm -hmm. that old sound. I don't have the pixie mute with me now, but...
1: (laughs) So I see Marilyn Monroe in uh, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then this this one is actually a vintage solo tone mute that, that not many people use anymore but this one is so old that it's this this is actually covered in seal skin mm, so which wow. would not be possible today <laughs> uh, yeah correct and it's made with I guess. wonderful wood and it this also has a real classic sound uh What do they call that again? Oh, a, solo oh, a solo tone. solo tone. And job. you can even do wahs with this, um... Excuse me. Condensation. But, okay, Otherwise, that's no, a spit valve. Spit valve, yes. And uh, what is
1: this, can you explain what is this that you're moving up and down over here? here. I see you. I have
0: a rubber band on there, which is uh, for any trumpet players. And this is uh, specifically for broccoli. And if you go to buy some broccoli, you can find this <laughs> diameter and strength, <laughs> but it works good. Um, it's keeping my third valve slide from falling out. Uh-huh. And there's a stopper there, but trumpets are not perfect like any instrument is not perfect, so you have to tune it. And so you have these slides that are movable to, if you go down the normal scale and you don't put the slide out, that note is a little sharp, so.
1: So you're adjusting pitch on the lower end of the scale? Are you also
0: doing it on the upper end? Of the yes, scale? and this 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 one moves too, but not so much when you get up up in the higher register, but like sometimes these notes that have you have to adjust it a little bit. Right. But when you're getting up in the real high register, not so much. But it's more it's more in the middle to lower register where you have to do the adjustment. What's happening with your lips on the very highest of the, those
1: high C's? How, what are you doing? What What is happening here? With, is it in the lips Uh, Yeah, only? I'm, I'm it, decreasing
0: it, it, the size of the aperture, and I'm increasing the airspeed. It's got to be like a speed. pin, right, yep. to get yeah. way up there? <laughs> Yeah, and if you feel, you can do an experiment yourself. If you blow, it's also fast air, and faster air is colder air, and slower air is warmer air. So if you put your hand up and you go, it's warm. Warm. Try it. Right? Now go, make the aperture small and go. Oh, my gosh. It's cold. I, I never knew that. Yeah, so when I... Just making the aperture smaller, increasing the airspeed, and making it colder, faster air, and the whole ton thing, and it, it makes it go up. Wow. Fasc- that's part of the phys- physiological, I, 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 physics, I wasn't
1: aware
0: that. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's the deal with that. And, uh, and so I have this rubber band on there because I just played the show Chicago not too long ago, and the beginning part, I have to play plunger on that one solo. And when mm-hmm. I get to that note, yeah. if I don't have that rubber band on, the slide comes all the way out, all of a sudden takes takes the note down a half I step. see. Maybe Yamaha will develop a, a new professional rubber band, so I don't have <laughs> to. But I'm telling you, man, the Broccoli ones work great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Until they don't, and then they... But yeah, so that's the mutes. That's, this is the piccolo, which is basically an octave above the normal trumpet.
1: How does that's that sound?
0: And this this is what was used on the Beatles' Penny Lane, um, and it's uh, you know Winston recorded uh, Adolf Hurseth played it in the Chicago Symphony sometimes, but uh, Maurice Andre was probably the f- most famous proponent of the piccolo trumpet. But um, I've used it on several. And they call it a piccolo because because it's you know like a piccolo flute. It's it's an it's an octave higher than the normal B flat trumpet.
1: Can you describe to our audience what triple and double tonguing is with the
0: trumpet? Can you? Can you? It's not something that is done on woodwinds so much because of the fact that there's a reed involved, but brass players, uh, in order to execute um, quick passages like that, it's its one of the things that are, are specifically brass oriented, is that You know, in the Star Wars So I can hear the triple tongue in your throat. it from your mouth? It's actually, coming from your mouth. If you think of syllables, normally when you play trumpet it's a ta. Or if it's up in the upper register, T, because you want to get your tongue up. Or tu if you're low. Tu, ta, ti, ti. You know, ta, ti, ti. And that's that's all single, single tongue, single. And that's just going ta 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 ta. Okay. Now, um, to the double tonguing is basically then you're saying the syllable with a K. So instead of ta, you're saying ka. Ta 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 ta, becomes ta ka ta ka ta. But after that, it starts going. uh, You know, you're getting tired. You're getting paralyzed. right, Right. So. so i can get go on and on with the double tongue because then you're you're only really going ta, ta 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 every other time taka taka tuku 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 and then triple tonguing is basically just adding a t at the beginning or end so you you're it, it's more for triplets and mm. stuff like okay. that tuku 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 to for double it's it's tuku 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 so you're going ta ta ta, ta ta ta, ta ta ta, or ta 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 The most famous lick is, you know. Most people play it. Which is incorrect. It's actually... With the triplets, That's the correct. Which you can hear on my iBugle app, by the way. I, um, have, I, I haven't told you about that. But the Armenian trilogy came up, and it was like, oh my God, I got to go back in the shed for a week just to dust off the old tongue. Yakin with a podcast about music and its business.
1: I know you've got to leave. I want to wrap this up. But I, before you do leave, I wanted to ask you for a little bit of a favor. We, we have our old group come together, my brother on bass, Chuck Shermatero on piano, Chuck DeLimba on drums, and uh, myself playing the saxophone. I would love to have you um, overdub some of your trumpet playing on a song, an old standard. It would be great if you could lend your uh, talent to some improv. I want to demonstrate to our audience what uh, a real trumpet playing is when it meets up with an old standard like this, or for that matter, any music. Great.
0: All the latest content. See you soon!